There are two Bible readings which can be found on page five of your service sheets. The first reading is from Galatians chapter five, beginning at verse 16. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at verse 16. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, good morning. Um, my name is uh, Ray Smith. Uh, I'm the locum in charge of Churchill Parish at the moment with our rector overseas. I'm saying this because uh, a number of you are visitors. And that leads me at this stage to especially welcome uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Jeff Collison. Uh, formerly the rector of Epping, who will be at 12.30 uh, conducting a baptism service. Great to have you, Jeff, at, ch at church this morning and uh, hope that you enjoy your fellowship with us. And just before I uh, do pray, also, can I encourage you, uh, if you haven't been able to do the uh, Christianity Explored course in the past, it's something really worthwhile to do because we look carefully at the, the life, uh, the teaching and the actions uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is at the very centre of the Christian faith. Most of us, I think, because we come to church and, and we hear sermons occasionally on, on Jesus and perhaps we go to Bible studies too, we get little bits and pieces here and there and never really bring together, uh, you know, the, the totality of just who Jesus Christ is and how important uh, 
he is and in the world, but also how important he is in our life. And I would encourage you, even if we're going into the third week, uh, to join us for Christianity Explored. But if you can't do it this time, uh, I do hope that you'll do it uh, at some point uh, in the uh, future. But now let me pray uh, before I speak. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you have come to us. You are with us and in us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that we might uh, sense your presence with us this morning. And we pray that you will speak to us and show us from uh, what we share how we can draw more deeply upon your help and strength in our lives to, to find uh, comfort uh, and direction. And we pray this in your name. Amen. How long can you make it without a coffee or a piece of chocolate? What about going without a meal or food uh, for a whole day? Now, these days, there are very few people, generally speaking, whose lives involved uh, fasting. The only time most people fast these days is uh, when you're ill, uh, you're going to have a blood test, or before you undergo uh, surgery. Now, last weekend I was talking with uh, our 21-year-old granddaughter, and I mentioned in passing that next Sunday I had the task, the awesome task really, uh, of speaking on a passage from the Bible on fasting. And uh, we kind of made a little bit of a, a, a joke of it. And I just offhandedly said to my granddaughter, what's the latest with young people about fasting? And then she kind of said with a twinkle in her eye, have you heard of intermittent fasting? And I said to her, well, no, I haven't. Uh, and then I said, well, look, uh, I'd better look it up on the internet. And I did. And I discovered that intermittent fasting is the latest thing for many younger adults and some not so young. And I gathered it's a lifestyle for people who want to improve their health or who want to go on a diet. Now, it's fairly complicated, and you can look up on the internet, but I discovered there are six ways that people engage in intermittent uh, fasting. There's the 16 and 8 method, which involves, listen to this, not eating for 16 out of 24 hours each day. You eat nothing from 8 p.m. in the evening until 12 noon the next day. In effect, you miss breakfast, coffee breaks, uh, you know, morning, afternoon tea, and nimbling in between. And then there's the five and two method. This involves having five days with ordinary meals with two days with no meals. Now, usually they're apart. Uh, you can drink, and also you can also eat up to, say, five to six hundred calories 
on the days you fast. Now, according to the article that I was reading, uh, studies revealed that for some people, intermittent fasting results in better health and um, weight control. Now, I better hasten to add, I am not recommending necessarily that uh, you engage in uh, intermittent uh, fasting. Now, if you are contemplating something like this, let me say most definitely you need to talk it over with your doctor, a dietitian, or some other recognised uh, medical person. One of the articles I did read said that fasting diets for some people are a no-no, and mention is made of children, uh, diabetics, heart patients, and um, those with eating disorders. But I am mentioning partners, uh, fasting rather, because Jesus uh, taught about it. He assumed that religious people in his day fasted and said that his followers in the future also will fast. In today's reading from the Gospel, we read Jesus didn't say, if you fast, but when you fast. When asked by his disciples, sorry, when asked yes, by, by, so by Pharisees rather, uh, why his disciples uh, didn't fast uh, like Pharisees and John the Baptist, uh, Jesus replied, the time will come when they will fast, but not now while I am with them. Now, for those of you who've been coming along uh, Sunday by Sunday, uh, you will know that um, we've been having a serious, a, a sermon series rather, on having a strong and vibrant inner spiritual life. And over the past two weeks, we've looked at what Jesus taught concerning the motive and, and purpose uh, behind giving to the poor and, and also praying. And today, our focus is in what Jesus taught about uh, fasting. In particular, when Jesus uh, was speaking on this topic, uh, giving, uh, praying and fasting, he had the Pharisees of his day in mind. And you may not know this, but probably you do. The Pharisees were the leading religious people in Jesus' day. Fasting was one of the main practices, along with giving and praying, in which uh, serious Jewish believers engaged. Now, according to the Old Testament law, of which they were strict adherents, that is the Pharisees, they were only required to fast on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, uh, when they remembered the sacrifice of the, the Passover lamb when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. But zealous Jews fasted at other times. There were different types of fasting. For a normal fast, a person would abstain from solids and liquids except water, like Jesus did when he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights at the beginning of his ministry. Then there was a partial uh, fast, 
For example, a restricted diet of, say, vegetables and water. Uh, here they were following the example of Daniel and his three companions, who way back in the time of Nebuchadnezzar in the 6th century, declined to eat rich food and drink fine wine um, because um, they thought that this was what God uh, wanted them to do. And then thirdly, there was uh, absolute fasting, abstaining from all food and water like Paul did for three days after uh, his uh, conversion. Now, the original intention of fasting was to assist God's people to deny and humble themselves in order to be undistracted as they spent time in the presence of their awesome and holy God. It's worth noting in passing, denying and humbling ourselves before God is perhaps lacking, at least for some of us, in our approach to God today. Because we know God is loving and he's a gracious father, whom we can readily approach through Jesus Christ, our Saviour, we have perhaps come, become too casual in approaching our holy, uh, pure and righteous God and, and spending time in his presence. But back in the Old Testament, occasionally, at special days like a national day of repentance or in an emergency, the Old Testament people of God would fast as a nation. And then there was a personal fasting, particularly when seeking special guidance from God or urgently imploring his help in times of sickness and dire need. In addition to abstaining from food, Israelites would also humble themselves by wearing uh, sackcloth, they would mourn, and they would uh, engage in intense prayer. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees considered that they were super holy uh, because of their religious practices, including giving to the poor, praying and fasting. They regarded themselves as the true disciples of the great prophet and lawgiver Moses. Their custom was to fast twice a week, that is, go without food uh, twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. They did this because they thought Moses went up to Mount Sinai on a Monday and a Thursday to receive the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament law. They also fasted on a number of special holy days throughout the year in the Jewish religious calendar. Jesus saw uh, through their hypocrisy. Now, let me hasten to add, not all Pharisees necessarily were hypocrites, but it would appear that most of them were. And Jesus saw uh, through their hypocrisy. He warned, he, he warned his followers and the crowds that followed him not to make an outward show of their religious practices to impress people. Jesus was scathing in denouncing the Pharisees when he said, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, 
For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In Jesus' words, we can picture the Pharisees and other religious pilgrims when they were fasting to impress. Every Monday and Thursday, showing off their self-righteous dedication by fasting, obviously at great personal cost. Untidy hair, pale, drawn faces, staggering around in public uh, for their lack of strength because they hadn't eaten. How superior they thought they were in their devotion to God and that God would certainly be impressed. They believed their devotion would cause God uh, to greatly reward them. Jesus said, this type of antics may impress people and elevate the doers in their lives. But as far as God was concerned, this was not good or acceptable behaviour at all. In fact, quite the contrary. People may be impressed by outward appearances, but God looks straight into our people's heart. The Pharisees and those like them were proud, uh, conceited and vain. And regrettably, sometimes weakened Christians also can be proud, conceited and vain. Jesus commanded his followers to perform their righteous actions in secret and to disguise the fact when they fasted. Just as he taught them to do when giving to the poor and praying, he said, do you what you're doing secretly. About fasting, he said, groom yourself properly. You know, wash your face. You know, put cream, you know, in, 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 into your skin. Dress attractively and, and behave uh, normally. And God, your heavenly Father, knows that you will, will be genuine in your devotion to him and you will have the satisfaction of knowing that he is pleased with you and that all that is, is well between you and him. And of course, underlying this teaching was the um, foundational truth that the most important thing in life is to have a relationship, a right relationship with our Heavenly Father, doing his will and knowing that he is pleased with us. No hypocritical display. Fast privately and you will be noticed and heard by God. You'll enjoy his favour and approval, his well done. You will experience his presence and peace in your heart and inner being. Fasting for public show and recognition may impress some people for a little while. You may feel good temporarily, but that is all you will receive. While fasting was, and for that matter, uh, is uh, still practiced by many Jews, it was also practiced by the apostles and the members of the early church. 
And there is a long history of the practice of fasting in the Christian church up to the uh, present day. I might add, sometimes for the right reason and sometimes for wrong reasons. A wrong reason during the Middle Ages, and even for some in the churches today, was to fast, deny themselves, in order to earn and deserve their salvation and to gain our special merit points with God. The Bible is quite clear that our good works and devotional practices are not the grounds for our salvation. They're good, but they're not the grounds for our salvation and acceptance with God. We are and will always remain unworthy sinners. And as the Apostle states, that is the Apostle Paul states, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for us, not because of our good works, lest anyone should boast. Now, traditionally, Christian fasting has been a partial or total abstinence from food and or pleasure. The desired aim being to develop uh, self-control, uh, squelch bad habits, and to spend time in the Lord's presence without being distracted. As uh, a young person, I was brought up in the Anglican Church, and it, it, it was uh, the custom in those days to have no breakfast before you went to church uh, for the Lord's Supper at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. Uh, during Lent, the, the 40 days before Easter, it was the practice to abstain from certain foods and to give up some pleasure. For example, during Lent you didn't eat meat, or perhaps uh, you gave up lunch. Uh, if you were a smoker or a drinker, you gave up alcohol and tobacco. A little bit like uh, dry July today, but with a, a slightly different focus. Others might give up, say, chocolate or sweets. Uh, there were some who gave up uh, the, going to the movies, and I suppose if it were applied today, you'd stop watching uh, television. On Good Friday, uh, we had fish, not meat, for a meal. And there are still some Anglicans, as well as Roman Catholics and Orthodox Christians, for whom this is their custom. I've also found today there are some people who don't quite fit into those categories, I'll call them Bible-based Christians, who are quite serious about fasting in a new way. Uh, when I was in America a few years ago, I was quite overwhelmed by a young minister who was very keen on fasting, and I got the impression that maybe he was trying to encourage me uh, to fast like he did. For them, fasting means abstaining from food, drink, sleep, or sex, are for a short period. The aim is, and it's a good aim by the way, the aim is to open oneself to the Holy Spirit to be enabled um, to better exercise the spiritual gift of self-control over our bodily desires and appetites. Now, there are different uh, practices. Some say fast in the morning for an hour or two 
once a week, or if that's too much, say once a month. Others say fast for half or a whole day once a week, or perhaps uh, once a, a month, uh, and perhaps even, even longer. The idea is to spend one's time uh, being quiet in the presence of God, read the Bible, uh, read a devotional book, meditate, uh, think about uh, what we've read, uh, think about our lives and pray, which most of us don't really make time to do in our normal hurried lives. And so we could say a, a very uh, commendable thing. So having looked at all this, uh, uh, where does that leave us? Where does it leave me? You know, where does it leave you? If we're serious about being faithful servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say at the outset, Christianity primarily is about a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ present with us and in us through the Holy Spirit. Living as a follower of Jesus Christ means flourishing physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually uh, through our relationship with Jesus Christ through the enabling strength of the Holy Spirit. Apart from doing good, uh, ministry and service, the Christian life is all about enjoying God's good gifts to us, uh, food and drink along with the, the good things of life. By the way, Christians have the reputation of being people who just have a whole lot of rules and regulations designed to make your life miserable and not to enjoy it. The Christian life is not primarily about do's and don'ts, rules and regulations we must keep. We do not need to fast or anything else, of course, uh, to merit salvation. Now let's be clear, as we try and apply this to our own lives, the Bible does not give any, any specific directions on whether Christians must fast or not. But it may be a good thing to do. But whether and how we fast uh, is really up between us and God. It's a matter of exercising Christian freedom. No individual or church authority can order you to fast. A leading uh, Anglican scholar of a few years ago now, L.E.H. Uh, Stephen Hodge, has said, Our church and the scriptures prescribe no precise rules for fasting. Every person must examine their own heart and determine to set aside everything that would prevent them from living a life that will bring glory to God. But that still leaves us with the question, should I fast? Should you fast? I particularly have in mind going without meals for a shorter or longer period? The answer for some of you is no. Especially for some because of your age, either too young, too old, your health or your life situation. For some, however, though, after careful thought and prayer, their response may be yes. Fasting may help you to improve your health and your spiritual well-being. 
fasting and abstaining from certain foods and things may assist us with God's help to exercise self-control over our bodily appetites and desires, which of themselves are natural and good, but can easily get out of control and enslave us. Maybe, if we fasted wisely and sensibly, we could spend more time with God, experience his peace and presence in our lives, spend more time praising and thanking him, reading his word and praying about flourishing as a follower of Jesus Christ. We could pray more seriously about our needs, our problems, the people and the issues about um, which we are concerned. In the normal run of things, I want to suggest to you that we do not get around to spending undistracted time with God. But as I just wind up this, uh, uh, this talk, I want to suggest that even if you decide not to fast by going without meals, that you seriously consider the value of self-control and abstinence. Perhaps we could all benefit physically and spiritually by abstaining from certain foods, drink, pleasure, activities, and even work. Can I say, <laughs> this might sound silly, as a result of this sermon, I decided I'm not going to drink as much coffee and I'm not going to drink as much tea. I'm going to reduce the quantity because I think I drink too much coffee and I drink too much. It's only a little thing. But I know that this would help me physically and hopefully it will help me spiritually as, um, as spiritually as well. I'll leave it up to you to decide the food, the drink and the things that control your life rather than you uh, controlling them. We could abstain for a, a shorter or longer period. Even cut out uh, some of the things we do in order not to be controlled by our drives, desires, bodily appetites, and, deepest our, uh, and deepen our closeness to God. And just as I finish, let me just throw this statement in as well. It could be helpful to use the special days and seasons uh, in the Christian yearly calendar to help us to fast uh, and to uh, abstain. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, for our sake, you fasted 40 days and 40 nights Give us grace to use such abstinence that our bodily desires and appetites being controlled by your Holy Spirit, we may always obey your will in righteousness and true holiness to your honour and glory. Amen.